Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. I'm joined as ever by Stefan Thomas. We're about midway through the Six Nations. Wales have announced their team today as we record this to face Ireland in Dublin on the weekend. Uh, they've named it a bit earlier than usual. That might be the norm going forward that, that we see earlier announcements from Wales in the week. Um, but it may be a couple of days before they're uh, required to name it. But in terms of the team itself, there's not a lot of surprises. Uh, Steph, just the one change to the start in 15, when we expected. Sam Costello comes back in. Um, and then one change on the bench. Um, Mackenzie Martin in line for his test debut, coming in for, for Tame Basham. Uh, what do you make of this team? I think he's done the right thing by um, keeping changes to, to a minimum, even though they lost the first two games. Um, there were signs of progress. They, they weren't that far off for Twickenham. If they were a bit bit more accurate, um, you know, I think they they didn't quite nail the key moments like you see in that second half when Johan Lloyd put Winner through a gap but then released Adams on the outside and, you know, he t- took the wrong option. So if they get a little, you know, if they tweaked one or two areas, they, they would have won that game. And um, likewise with Scotland. So I think that that's the right thing. Um, I think in terms of Sam Costello, I think it's very obvious that they see him as as the long-term success of Dan Big and Gareth Anscombe. Um, I know he's had his critics and he is a work in progress, but I think uh, as long as Costello's fit, I think they're just going to stick with him now. There'll be bumps along the way, but I think he's he's their man moving towards 2027. Um, I think um, arguably um, when, not really a shock, but I think some people might have expected to see um, Will Rowlands in the team. Um, but it's very obvious. I asked, I asked Warren Gatlin last week um, about Adam Beard and, you know, he's he's highly regarded around the squad. You know, he, he's a leader. He lends support to David Jenkins. So they're just going to use Rowlands um, as an impact sub. And, you know, Mackenzie Martin played well for Cardiff in the weekend. And he, he's very he's very green. He's, um, you know, bit um bit raw, but he's a serious carrier. He's, you know, he can get with the game lines, good, good offloading games. So, um, you know, he's somebody that could generally make an impact in the last quarter of the game. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to Mackenzie Martin in a bit. As you say, he is very green. Um, I guess the interesting part there is you're talking about uh, Will Rowlands and, and Adam Beard. Um, first of all, it's testament to what Dav Jenkins has done as captain that we're having this sort of the selection debate between Rowlands and Beard. Um, but I guess for Gatlin, it's probably a case of if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Uh, there had, you know, he had mentioned before the England game, moving Dav Jenkins to six, perhaps. And you could have seen that as a sort of a short-term solution for this game going out to Dublin. But I think that goes against what they want to do with, with Alex Mann currently holding that jersey. Um but it really does. It does speak volumes as to as to how Adam Beard is viewed within camp because he's one of those players who does attract a lot of criticism, perhaps from some quarters. I know there's some fans on social media who just you know cannot see what he does well, what he brings to the team. But you know, you speak to Wales coaches, you speak to players, uh, and they all can't speak highly enough of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I think I think if anybody's watched um, the WIU's um, behind the scenes um, uh, documentary Glad um, on, on the WIU website, they 
there's one scene in that where there's a team meeting after the Scotland game. I think Humphreys addresses the squad and then then Beard starts talking and you can sort of see like the authority he's speaking with. And there was a few instances of that as well. Um, I think they had a, a similar thing out in Switzerland when Wales were preparing for the World Cup. He's a sort of guy, when he talks, people listen. And he's not a guy that's, you know, he's not Scott Barrett, he's not Brodie Ritalik, he's not going to be making explosive carries and, you know, outrageous offloads and, and whatnot. But he's a sort of player, you only really value his worth when he's not there. Um, he gets through a lot of work and, and he he allows other players to do their jobs better. Um you know, I, th- I think Will Rowlands has probably got a bit more to his game, if I'm being honest. Um, and if if he was, if he hadn't had missed the the, the start of the camp because because of um, his child being born, then perhaps things, you know, there'd have been a bit more pressure on Beard. But it's obvious that you know Warren Gatlin holds Beard in in high esteem. So uh, you know, he's uh, he's close to undroppable in this squad, I think. I suppose even though the line-out has had its issues, uh, in terms of probably securing possession, the mall itself has worked very well. It's created three tries, uh, obviously two tries against Scotland, that penalty try against England. Um, and that's probably going to be a key area on Saturday uh, in terms of, one, getting at Ireland, but two, if Wales are to stand, I suppose, any chance of victory, They've got to disrupt Ireland. You know, Rob Howley today spoke about chaos and causing havoc. Um, and that probably starts at the line-out in terms of Ireland starting moves and, and, and disrupting their speed of ball before they can even really generate it. Uh, and, and a guy like Adam Beard, in, in terms of what he can do at the line-out on both sides of the ball, is probably going to be crucial to that. Yeah, um, I actually watched the, the Wales-England game back and... Um, Dav Jenkins is actually quite effective at the lineup as well. He, he was putting a lot of pressure on England's um, England's jumpers, which you know um, made you know it, it, it resulted in England not really for the first half being able to get up ahead of steam in terms of the driver lineup and stuff. But you know the the, the key the key part is that the lineup was pretty good for the first fifty five minutes or so at Twickenham in terms of you know um, Wales's own throw, but. Once Elliot D went off, um, you know it, it 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 fell apart almost. And Wales, I don't want to put it all, put it all on Ryan Elias because Ryan Elias, um, he had, he does offer a lot around the park with his power and, and in the set piece as well. But when um, against England, if Wales had been able to keep their keep their line of momentum going, they'd have um, they'd have probably won that game because they lost a few key line outs. So that that's. You know, stating the obvious, and it's going to be crucial as well. You know, if you if you lose, you, if you don't secure your own set piece ball against Ireland, then they they're going to be winning territory, and they you know they're going to be able to to launch their attack. So the best way for Wales to to sort of try and stop Ireland is to sort of prevent. Stating the obvious is to prevent them having the ball, prevent field position, um, and to do that, you gotta you gotta be solid on your own uh, on your own set piece. And if you can't do that, then it's curtains, isn't it? No, indeed, it is. It is, um, and, and territory is going to be a fascinating part of the game. I think on Saturday, it all depends on whether Wales, as you say, can get a platform. But that, that's what perhaps makes it interesting that they've gone, obviously, back to to Sam Costello, um, and really almost how he's now perceived as a as a Welsh fly half. Because if you think back to the, you know, when he won his first cap for the World Cup, um, 
he was probably a sort of alternative to what was there in in Dan Bigger and and Gareth Anscombe uh, of a more running threat, uh, you know, a bit of a will of the wisp, quite a, a creative fly half. And now because he's up against Johan Lloyd now, he's almost seen as the the more conservative option. Uh, and I think he's probably had a bit of criticism, certainly after that Scotland game for for Wales's first half tactics uh, against. Uh, Scotland and Cardiff when they, they they kick the leather off the ball quite a lot in that first half but it's just funny how, how his sort of perception has gone you don't I, I don't know I feel like in Welsh rugby in Welsh rugby uh, a fly-offs tend to either be a sort of a, a cavalier or, or a roundhead and you, you have very few who are, are viewed as both and Costello's done that the last one I can think of really was I suppose Stephen Jones when he first came onto the scene was probably seen as more of a running threat than Neil Jenkins and then as as the years went on, I think James Hook and, and guys like that probably <laughs> overtook him a little bit. But um he you know, he's gonna have a, a, a big say and, and, and Howley today was speaking about how, how how Wales wanna create chaos with ball in hand and how they're sort of changing their, their approach at the contact area. Yeah. And it's all about being able to implement this this multi phase attack, uh which is Quite interesting here because that's not really what you associate with either Test rugby or particularly Welsh rugby under under Warren Gatland. But it, it feels like they're going to try keep the ball out of Ireland's hands for as long as they can, and that's going to be a tricky task, isn't it? Given one the, the breakdown threats that that Ireland have, and just just the pressure that holding onto the ball sometimes at Test rugby can 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 bring upon yourself. Yeah, um, I think that. Again, it's it's key in any game, but Costello's kicking really does need to be on point um, this weekend because I think I think against Scotland, obviously, you know the the pack in the first half had had a hiding, so he was on the back foot. So you have to be you have to have a bit of sympathy there, and he was playing to orders, but his kicking out of hand wasn't very accurate. And you know, if if you if you're if you miss touch and you know you're kicking down the throat of the likes of James Lowe, then Ireland are going to make you pay. So. His decision making needs to be really good, and his kicking needs to be accurate. But there's a—it's not all on the ten either. Like Thomas Williams has to take responsibility as well, doesn't he? Um, because if you look at that, Johan Lloyd had a lot of criticism for getting caught. I think it was by Maroi Toja in the first half, but he—he he was actually calling for Thomas Williams to kick, but he didn't hear him. So that—that that type of thing is something that we we don't—you know—the average fan doesn't see. So there is there is onus on Thomas Williams as well. I think. The worry for me and the worry for everyone is that Wales probably haven't got the power to match Ireland. If you look at the Irish pack, you know, it's it's big, it's physical, but there's so so much explosive carrying ability there. It's so dynamic with Byrne, um, McCarthy's come through strongly. I could just, you know, I could go on and on, couldn't I? It'll help if Caelan Doris is out, but, but there's still so many carriers there. And Wales could defend really well, but eventually that, if Ireland have got possession of territory and those carriers are, are running up ahead of steam at Wales' defence, it's eventually going to crack, isn't it? But I think there's a huge onus as well on Raffel at the breakdown. He's been, you know, he's been you know, phenomenal in the first two games. So he he needs to. It's too simplistic to put it all on the seven, but he needs to have the game of his life. I think if Wales are to have any chance in terms of slowing Ireland's ruck ball down and winning turnovers, but you know, I think you've said in podcasts before, it's all well and good saying that about the seven, but if you're losing collisions, it becomes 
really hard. So it's just it's just that lack of power and lack of carriers where I think, you know, which I think would be Wales and doing, uh, I would have thought, in Dublin. Yeah, it's funny. You think back to the last time the Wales won in, in Dublin, I think Justin Tipperick was probably his best game in a Wales jersey in that 2015 World Cup warm-up game. But um, I, I guess the real danger with Ireland is, yes, they've got the power of the carriers, but they've also just got however many starter plays that they can sort of go to in those first three phases off line-outs and, and they've got just just this sort of sleekness within their, within their back line. So you think about Wales in the last, I don't know, five, ten years, they've always been able to, to, to defend against the physical teams quite well. You know, I can't remember, I think it might have been Dwayne Vermeulen or one of the former South African players recently saying that you know the, the toughest team you'll face is Wales because they'll just they'll just line up and tackle anything that moves and that's why Wales have tended to do quite well against South Africa even in recent years when obviously uh, Razi Erasmus and Jak Nienaba have turned things around for them made them two-time World Cup winners Wales have still managed to to sort of stay in the fight because they don't back down from that but when you add a bit of ball, ball movement a bit of speed then Wales tend to struggle a bit, and that's what Ireland can do. Is Ireland can can do both of that, and I think that's going to be where it's going to be really hard for 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 Mike Forshaw's defence to cope because Ireland won't have any problems probably generating speed of ball, but they 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 can then work with it really well, which again is why it's so crucial that Wales almost disrupt Ireland from source, you know, make them make them work off awkward line out ball, which won't be easy because Ireland tend to sort of throw to the front anyway and they're not they're not afraid to they don't need to go to the back to necessarily work their way into midfield like you know you think back to when Pivak was in charge I remember they lost in Dublin in an Autumn Nations Cup game quite heavily and it was literally they needed to get you know sort of back line out ball in order to 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 generate momentum to get themselves into midfield and get over the game line so Ireland just Gave them the front, stacked the back, and, and Wales didn't know what to do. And they lost a load of line outs. You know, Ireland don't need that. Ireland can win the ball wherever they want at the line out and they'll they'll be all right. So Wales have to probably be quite aggressive in how they attack the line out. Um which again is going to be on Dav Jenkins. But then and then it carries on to the next thing, you know, that those next few rucks, you've got to really go after those. It's gonna be one hell of a task. Um, for Wales in terms of if they are to, to pull off a shock um, which is what it would be because you know this this island team uh, yeah, they're, they're where they are for a reason you know since Wales last beat them Ireland have played 34 games they've lost three two of those were to France one was to the All Blacks they won a series in New Zealand uh, obviously they only they didn't get past the quarterfinals of the World Cup but then they lost to New Zealand in that they're a seriously good outfit. You know, in that same time since we last beat them in 2021, we've lost 22 games. So that's where these two teams are. So it's going to be just a, a massive, massive task, isn't it, for Wales to to even sort of get near a result. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be huge. I, th- I think if, if you're Wales, like, it sounds defeatist, but you're looking at the rest of the championship, the number one goal is to avoid a wooden spoon. It should be good enough to do that. But it would be nice if they could get a, a scalp against France as well. 
But if they go to Dublin and they get, you know, which could happen, and they get tuned by 40, 50 points because Ireland are that good, then that's going to that's gonna really hit the confidence of the squad and chances of beating France are lower. But if they can go to, to Ireland and don't, you know, I, I think in the warm-up, it, 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 in lead-up to the game, they probably won't mention in terms of winning the games all about the performance. If they can put in a good performance, give a good account of themselves, then... Um, you know they, they they can really have a crack at France in um, in a couple of weeks' time. But I think you know Gatland has taken a holistic view in some ways to the Six Nations. Obviously, you you wouldn't have you know we'd be angry they lost the first two games, games that they probably could have won, should have won. Um, but I think there's always been this narrative that okay, we haven't got the caliber of player, the experience that we had. Last time Gatlin was in charge, so he's looking at the long term. And you know, you mentioned about Dav Jenkins could have put him to six, but it would have been a quick fix. And he wants to see how Alex Mann is is exposed to international. You know, a lot of fans are annoyed that no Tom Botha was called up. If you're picking a form, he'd be there, but you know, it would have been a quick fix, wouldn't it? So um, he's whether O'Connor's up to it, I don't know, but you know, he's he's obviously looking ahead. So. Um, there's a bit of a long-term view here. It's not all about the result. And um, from a Welsh point of view, they, they I don't know if they'll even talk about the, the 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 end goal. I think it's just about the performance, really, and living in the in the moment. So, but you know, it's um, it's probably the toughest challenge in world rugby, including facing the All Blacks and the Springboks at the moment. So, uh, it's going to be tough for them. No, absolutely. Um, and I guess if you are looking at it holistically and in terms of development. Having another debutant potentially this weekend uh, is another step along the line for that. We mentioned him at the start of the podcast, but Mackenzie Martin is in line to, to win his first cap. It'll be his, I think if he gets on, it'll be his 10th senior appearance. They've all come this season. They've all come within the last 90 odd days. Before that, he was playing uh, in in the premiership uh, for, for Cardiff RFC. Um, you know, I think he has some decent games against the likes of Newport and Swansea, but it's been a it's been a remarkable step up since then. I think he's started five and come off the bench in four of Cardiff's games uh, since since then. Late late October, November time we're talking. It's been a remarkable rise, uh, and he is someone who you speak to people down the Arms Park and you speak to people in Welsh rugby. He's just one of these sort of talents that Welsh rugby can't afford to ignore because he's just a big physical ball carrier something we don't develop too often I mean Rob Howley today was just speaking about the fact that there's there's been a change in tack in terms of how they want to play uh, you know compared to the group of players he had the last time he was here with Wales you know 2019 and before that Um, I think Warren Gatland sort of jokingly said the other week that he was frustrated with Nick Tompkins because he's not able to play Warren ball anymore, you know, tongue in cheek, because it's not a term he's ever really recognised himself. But, you know, it's clear the Wales are having to play a different style of rugby because of the players they've got. But you you can't, you can't substitute just genuine power getting you over the game line. There's no, you know, there's, you can sort of find means to, to generate it in other ways, but, nothing quite replicates it as much as just one guy, you know, carrying through bodies and speaks to people at the, you know, at Cardiff. And that, that's clearly what they think uh, Martin can do. And he, and he is raw and it'll be interesting to see 
basically what his first four weeks in camp have been like. I know he didn't train the first week because he was coming off a HIA uh, from when Cardiff played in Paris. So it'll be fascinating to find out exactly how much of an impression he's made in in the week since. Um, there's no sort of clarification as of yet whether Tame Basham was injured or whether this is just something Gatlin wanted to do. But in terms of a baptism of fire, throwing him off the bench in Dublin, um, you know, against that Irish pack, that's going to be some debut. Yeah, it is. But, you know, you mentioned like um, big carriers and get over the gain line and, and make like real meters after contact. Like he's, we don't have enough for them in Wales, but he could be one in the long run, I think. Um, he's a sort of guy, you know, he can, he can take, take the ball. He can take the ball up sort of rugby league style and he can just, he's just one of those guys. He, he's just really explosive and difficult to break down. And he's got the offloading game as well. Um, which, you know, he, he could, he could harness and could be an asset for Wales as well. I think like he is like, He's quite green, isn't he? You know, he, he is rough around the edges. There are mistakes in his game. You can't get away from that. But you know, as as we said, we 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 I use the word holistic, and he he's part like when you look at the twenty twenty seven World Cup squad of what it can look like. He he's somebody who could really he, he's just got the raw minerals to be a top international class player. Um, maybe he's not ready yet. Suppose we we might find out on Saturday, but. He's the right. He he he's the right profile of player for Wales. The Wales need up front. We haven't really got enough players like him. So, um, you know, I I think it's uh, it's probably a risk worth taking having him on the bench on on the weekend. And I guess the thing to add to that is, he's exactly the sort of player that Gatland loves to develop. And I know he said. He certainly said after the, the the World Cup, I think before that Barbarians game, that he didn't necessarily want to, to be in that habit of using test rugby to develop players. But let's be honest, that's where we're at more than ever, I think. But, you know, you look back over the years and, and Gatland does have a knack of sort of picking some players before they're really established at club level and trying to mould them into what he sees as a test player. Um I think he spoke quite recently about Dan Lydia being another of those, uh, someone who, again, looked quite green when he came into the test setup. But obviously, look, you know what he went on to achieve. Um, you know, there's no saying what Mackenzie Martin will achieve just yet. But but clearly, he has got all those raw materials that Catlin's going to love. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and I think you are, you know. You are right. We we should be like if if you look at Ireland, for example, you look at Crowley at ten. So Andy Farrell will have been like debating before the championship. I would have thought, is he ready to play and start out in in Marseille against France? Um, so he can then see Crowley guide Munster to victory out in Toulon, as close as you can get to international rugby, the Champions Cup is, you that's what people say. Um, so that, that the Irish provinces are playing at such a level that you can make a definitive judgment before they play international rugby, whether they're good enough. But obviously, you know, the Ospreys are doing well, but on the exception to the rule, on the whole, you, you can't really do that with Wales because the standard has been so poor at regional level. It's, um, 
you know, you see teams, you see like Cardiff have a hiding out in Toulouse, Mackenzie Martin and Evan Daniel do well, but you're thinking, well, the teams that are hiding, are they really that good? I think they probably will be, but um, the point of the matter is, I'm opening a can of worms again, but I'm not going to apologise for it. I think, you know, we, we have got to get that regional game right uh, in terms of um, giving players the right platform to to go up to international rugby. Um, Martin's one of these guys who who has it all, but, um, you know, you, you, you do wonder whether um, players like him playing playing in, in Welsh clubs who are getting tuned every week is going to be any good for his development. So I think, uh, you know, over the next year or so, Welsh rugby's got to, uh, you know, Gatlin's got to drive it as well. I think I think Welsh rugby's got to make some some big changes. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's going to be really hard to, to be successful at Tesla. Yeah, and it's funny because both Gatland and Howley have alluded to that in, the, in recent weeks that, and it's, it's the same thing we've heard for a long time, that a lot of these players are coming out of environments where they're maybe not used to, to winning regularly. And basically what what Wales want to do right now is to develop players into having that knack of knowing how to win and when those moments come. Because there were moments in that Scotland game and in that England game where a team that had more caps and a bit more know-how would have won, quite simply. You know, you think back to that team of sort of 2018, 2019 that had that winning run, they'd have, they'd have won those two games, quite simply. Um, and they they should have lost a lot of those games or s- certainly some of those games back back on that run. Uh, and they, they didn't. You know, they should have lost to France twice in 2019, but they found a way to win. There was other games where they did the exact same thing. And, you know, Howley and Gatlin are speaking about developing that that understanding of how to win, uh, which I suppose the irony is, is there's, there's less games that test rugby, and the, the, you know, it's, it's apart from Italy, maybe in the last round, it's going to be hard for, for Wales to pick up a win. Um, so you know, they're not necessarily going to learn that anytime soon with Wales, but clearly, it's still a lesson that they're, they're trying to learn, and and hopefully that you know, some decisions can be made on on the regional game too, and and the some of the progress has been made certainly by the Ospreys uh, you know the feel good factor around Cardiff that can continue um, and they can develop that on that front too I suppose we should touch you know on the regional game uh, probably quite a, a testing weekend for the for the regions um, but we'll start we'll start with the Ospreys I guess in terms of a fantastic victory for them their, their form continues to to shine through and, and and what a way to do it with with a late drop goal from Dan Edwards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think Toby Booth has done a fantastic job. Um, I think um, when when you've got a pack like they've got, you've got a good set piece. Um, you know, Nicky Smith probably. I know he he was injured when the squads announced. He probably should be up the veil now, uh, not in Clan Darcy really. Um, uh, he's one of the best scrummages in the league, and when you've got a set piece like that, when you when you don't get overpowered, then you're always going to have a chance. And um, you know, Toby Booth has just created such a good environment because because when you know you know when when you've got a, a platform like they've got with both uh, tight dead Smith at loose head, and unless you're against the very top teams like you know your your Leinster's or or, or the the top end um, French clubs. Um, you know the Ospreys are never really going to get overpowered. So that allows, you know, the likes of Hardy Deves in the back row. You know, Dan Edwards at ten. Um, 
allows these play gives these players the platform to shine. And you can just tell that they got so much confidence. Like it'd be interesting to see what to ask Toby Booth what his secret is, because he's just got this habit of giving players confidence and belief. And if you actually watch the game back, Dan Edwards, you know, he he made a few mistakes in the game. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a perfect performance, but that, the confidence to kick that drop goal last play of the game, stand up and say, you know, put his hand up, you know, give me the ball and, and absolutely nail it, you know, is probably a metaphor for where the Ospreys players are at um, in terms of their, their mental belief. And, you know, they're, they're actually, um, I think they're only, I'm not saying that they're going to win the league or anything, but they're, they're only 10 points off Leinster. Um, they're, they're above uh, Munster and, um, and Ulster. And considering the, their budget's 5.2 million, you know that that seriously punching above your weight. So um, you know, long may it continue. They they, you know, if you're the other regions, you're you're going to probably be you know you should be asking, looking at the Ospreys and seeing what Toby Booth does right and trying to emulate it. But if you were Toby Booth, you probably wouldn't wouldn't share your secret. But yeah, they're they're the um, they're doing a fantastic uh, job this season. Yeah, I think they're they're unapologetic almost in in what they're good at. They they've got a solid pack. They've got a very good line out, and Toby Booth's never shied away from that, and that helps them. Obviously, you know, it was a, another narrow defeat for for Cardiff, albeit one with an with an early red card. But again, uh, uh, and maybe it's a perception thing with with actually how many games Cardiff have won. But it's another one that got away from them. But the fans can take a lot out of it. Whereas I think for for the Dragons and the Scarlets, it, it was a, a very tough weekend, wasn't it? And, and in particular, obviously, the Scarlets, they've since announced uh, sort of a coaching reshuffle, um, which again probably sums up, you know, if you talk of Dan Edwards having the confidence to step up for a drop goal being a metaphor of what the Ospreys are like at the minute, I think this, this coaching reshuffle perfectly sums up where the Scarlets are, doesn't it? Um, Gareth Williams, you know, not long, not massively long in in that defence coach role. Is it was it a year and a half now he's been there? If it's that, after, if it was that. after the South, it was after the South Africa tour twenty twenty two, wasn't it? So that's how long he's been there. Um, he's left that role as defence coach. He's currently considering a role with the academy. As we record this, Dwayne Peel is going to take on more of the attack with Jared Payne taking on defence while also still retaining some responsibilities for attack. It's just an incredibly convoluted situation, isn't it, in in a way? And I, I, I don't know, it, it's, it, it's just hard to see. Well, it's, it's just the latest thing, isn't it, from the Scarlets this season that, that sort of baffles you a little bit. Yeah, um, it, does, it does look like Gareth Williams has been thrown under the bus a little bit. Obviously, he's part of the coaching team and uh, the defence has been really poor, albeit that's probably a result of the pack being underpowered as well. Um, and I'm not saying that he, he should stay, but it's obvious that he's been thrown under the bus a little bit. And I think that, um, you know, when you when I look at the Scarlets, I think they need major surgery. It's not like a little bit of tinkering by sacking the few assistant coaches and bringing some in. I think there needs to be a real change. Um, Dwayne Peel is a good man, and if you speak to people, they say he's a very good coach. But he's, 
I, I think when I look in from the outside, I just feel the Scarlets could do with a real strong, hard-nosed director of rugby. Um, somebody, it's not going to be him because he's gone to Newcastle, but somebody like Steve Diamond, that type of thing. Somebody who can really improve the culture, really drive the place, um, place forward, you know, and instill some confidence back into the players because you'd have to be honest, um, you know, it, the the we said I think we said in a podcast before Christmas the pack is is really badly underpowered, the front five is really is quite weak, isn't it, by professional rugby standards? And um, you know I I just think that there needs to be some serious recruitment if they can afford it. Obviously in in the front five and um, also you know they're missing the carrying of of Carla Mafoni. Um But on the whole, you know they they could really do, but with going in a different direction, they need. An experienced director of rugby, um, ideally, probably someone from the Southern Hemisphere, maybe um, somebody with no links to the Scarlets to come in and say, "Look, you're doing this wrong, that wrong, and that wrong. I think we should do it this way. I don't rate that player, but I rate him who's not getting picked, and 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 just really drive the place forward. A bit like Pivac did when he came in. You know, he, he upset people, um, took them backwards to go forwards in the long run. So. I think they they kind of need that again, and there needs to be there needs to be you know major surgery. I think um, at that club. Yeah, I think that's it's nothing we haven't said before, is it? I think it's basically. I mean, if you look from Pivac's time, they've they've largely stagnated, and yeah. they've they've been left in this sort of state of paralysis. And I think a lot of that comes down to recruitment and and what they've done with their recruitment. Uh, they've probably. You're never helped by when you sort of achieve success quite rapidly, and then, and then those sort of those reliable club players become international players, and they're 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 arguably less worth for you than they were when they were they were playing sort of week in week out in what was then the the Pro 14. But I don't know. There's there's probably a sense with this with this Scarlets team that they probably held on to some players too long, and they've made some questionable decisions in in terms of what they brought in, and I. They're reaping what they're sowing, or what they've sown really, in the last, well, probably five, six, maybe seven years. Um, and that's why I don't think many Scarlet fans are going to be confident that one sort of coaching reshuffle is really going to change their fortunes. Um, it's funny because then, you know, some of their some of their recruits for next year seem okay. Uh, you know, one of their hookers has just been named in a Springbok training squad, so that's indication perhaps that you know at least that's one sort of front five forwards they've signed who, who looks handy but I don't know it's, it's hard to like you say it needs major surgery doesn't it and I think at the minute it's almost just you know little fine tunes is a bit like rearranging deck chairs yeah here's one for you um obviously they've Spoken to Team Basham, Saris want him as well. I think Saints and Sale do as well. Do you reckon he's the type of player they need? Um, obviously, he could um, still stay at the Dragons as well. It's a tough one because back row isn't necessarily a, an area of weakness for them. But then I suppose in terms of actual fit back rows, they they do struggle because you know Josh McLeod is desperately unlucky with injuries Dan Davis has had his, his share of fitness issues um i think it'd be a decent move um it all depends on i suppose how much he's tied up with wales as well 
yeah. um, you know, they they probably not really got value out of their Wales internationals in the last few years. Um, and I think, I think there's been at times where they've, they probably needed to cut ties sooner than they have and, and just lean into maybe some of the younger talent they had coming through. Um, for example, I, I mean, I imagine some contractual things were sort of sorted, made before certain performances last year, but, you know, they, they knew that guys like Eddie James and Joe Roberts were going to come through and be good. And yet they've got quite a stocked midfield sort of cupboard full of senior guys. That money, you know, and again, this is another senior player who was, you know, at quite an age, but maybe that some of that money would be in better place keeping someone like Callum Afoni. Yeah. And then rather than some of the other players that they've kept hold of, but you know, that's, it's easy to say that now, but you know, Joe Roberts basically played 10 of the last 11 games last season. And, you know, whereas it's going to be a lot more difficult for someone like Carmen to have to play week in, week out, you know, you'd rather have him still learning to develop and play in the majority, but having Calum Afoni there, just a guy who was just so consistent with what he did. Um, but you know, those are the, those are the tough decisions that, you know, people are, Paid, paid paid far much much more than we are to to make, and um, it'll be interesting to see if and how the Scarlets can turn it around. But I I don't think anything's going to really change, like unless you say there is there is major surgery. Um, I think that's probably a good place to end the podcast. Let's, uh, let's not talk about the dragons. as to to. Uh... Too depressing now, and I think. No, I didn't. I do fair. I didn't. I didn't see the game. Uh, although I did see the tap and go move that was just to go. There was no tap, and I think that probably sums up the performance more than anything. Yeah, um, yeah not a not a great weekend was it for them? Um, it's a bit of a low note to end this podcast on, um, but, but there we go. We will we'll end it there. If you have enjoyed the podcast, do make sure to give it. Uh, a like and, and make sure to subscribe and if you could leave it a review that would really massively help us out uh, but until the next one which will be looking back on hopefully a famous Welsh victory out in Dublin it would certainly shut up quite a few uh, over the Irish Sea uh, goodbye goodbye